The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. Give Robert a hand. So is this where we start our rap battle? That's right. (laughs) So this is... um, we're going to just have a little bit of a conversation. You could forget these people are here. By the way, why don't you give us your name for the record? My name is Robert Wainwright. Uh, I'm in a band called Rark with John and Chris. Which is uh, acoustic, soft, very folky music, correct? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of headbanging. <laughs> a lot of sweating. This is good to see you with your shirt on today, by the way. So... Um, this is, uh, okay, everybody has parents and you know, ancestors, great-grandparents, that kind of thing. So here's the question for you, okay? And I know that, by the way, this is not prepared, so, because they wanted to make it look weird. Because this isn't, you know? <laughs> so tell me about, if you think back at your life, before you connected to God, what, what people were maybe spiritual influences in your life? Not when you think back at it, like, hey, man, that neighbor was really a cool guy, I didn't know he was a believer, or... This person there, you know, what stands out as far as people who are part of your story? Um, my entire life, I've always had people that have helped me, um, that have guided me in a certain way, that always felt right in a certain way, um, but I didn't know why. Um, and I came to find out later that they were Christ followers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just good people, the people that I felt the most comfortable around, the people I felt most open to. Um, they definitely had, the people who had the biggest influences in my life uh, turned out to be followers of Christ. That's, so when you're saying that, that they were influenced, uh, you, you never felt judged or trying to mold you into a certain pattern type of thing, would that be yeah. fair to say? Well, at the time I felt judged, uh-huh. but it turned out, I mean, I was a little mischief kid, obviously. It's um, shocking. I'm yeah. Sorry. I, for yeah. one, I'm surprised. <laughs> um, I, at the time I felt judged, but um, reflecting back at it now, um, it was just kind of more of seeing their disappointment in me, just knowing that uh, what kind of heart that a person can have mm-hmm. and their decisions that they make. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So what, what was the turning point for you? I mean, do, was there a moment? Was it a pattern of Absolutely. moments? So oh, tell us about that. Actually, um, John and I started a band about four years ago, three and a half, four years ago now. Um, full-blown punk rock, metal. Didn't care what we were going to be singing about. Um, and weird, one day, him and I both went to separate churches without telling each other. We both came back and we were like, oh, yeah, you know, this thing called God is up in the sky. I don't know. And I don't know. Ever since then, um, the way that God has blessed our band, um, the way that he brings people into our lives, um, the way that, you know, the new groups of people that he introduces us to, um, just knowing, showing, our, showing us our own personal talents, our own personal gifts, um, has, has been a blessing in every way, shape, and form. I mean, as a musician, um, well, let me, put, let me use Buddy for an example. It always starts off acoustic guitar. You're like, oh, that's nice, nice 12-string. 
And then once you hear the drums start kicking in, you kind of like feel it in your soul. Then once that cello comes in, you kind of feel like crying. <laughs> yeah, it's, you get that. You get that butterfly feeling in your stomach. No, no, I don't. No, know what you're talking about. Actually, <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> With me connecting it to God, mm-hmm. um, and just talking to people, and knowing that I help people, or you know something I said actually affected somebody, mm-hmm. or just being in true harmony music, um, or just friendship-wise, that's all connecting to God. Um, which was a big turning point four years ago, um, and I'm still learning how to do it. So uh, uh, I was going to ask you about music, but you kind of blended that in already. So tell, tell us about your verse. I, I know we, we, we chatted briefly yesterday. I asked you for a verse that meant something to you, and you didn't hesitate. Boom, you gave me that verse. So why is that verse important to you? The verse is very important to me because it... Um, I remember when I first heard it a few years ago, it said, stop living your life as, you know, stop living so foolish. Mm-hmm. Try to be as wise as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just kind of took that as, all right, I'm going to shut my mouth and just listen to somebody. <laughs> Other than me trying to give advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ever since I did that, um, I just came to realize half the time people just want to talk to you and just vent. Sometimes you're just not saying something make somebody feel connected to you. And when they see that they have a connection to you, they see kind of a shine or a light that you have and you bring to them and they're more curious on how to become more like you or, you know, they want to know why they like talking to you even though you didn't say one word. Hey, so uh, uh, as far as connecting to God then through Jesus, one last question then. Uh, what, was it, what, what has it been like, or what are you, what are you experiencing? Uh, you mentioned both of you guys went to church. So the first time you, quote, go to a spiritual gathering after that connection, what was the difference? Or was there one that you could actually put into words? Well, actually, uh, for about two years, I was going to a church just for the sake of going and just saying, oh, I want to you know, find out more about this, this guy in the sky. You know? And I never really felt connected. Um, and... Here's the punchline that you wanted me to say about Mosaic. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> once I... <laughs> once I... Uh, uh, okay, cancel that check we're going to give you. <laughs> I think once I started... I, John actually was kind of a scout. And he kind of was going to all these different churches and checking out these ones. And he was like, hey, come check out this one, you know? And once I actually found a spot, literally the first day that I was there... Mm-hmm. I had that feeling, like what I was describing earlier about Buddy and the band, it's just the butterfly feeling, it's kind of in your stomach where you almost feel like laughing, but at the same time you just, you feel like something's right, you know, and that's, ever since then, um, I mean, I think all of us do it, on Sunday you're driving back home, you're going, man, I gotta, I'm going to do this, I'm going to change my life, <laughs> you know, so. Awesome. Hey, man, I, I want to I thank you for sharing. Let's give Robert a hand, because this is kind of nerve-wracking. All right, hey, so uh, we're going to bring up another guy here that I've known for a while. Um, so I'll, we'll tell that story. Come on up here, Chris. Let's give, give Chris a round of applause here. <laughs> hey, so um, I, I've known you for a while. Mm-hmm. Since you were about, what, four? Five? I, yeah, probably about that, yeah. And, and I, I remember in, in reaching out in love to you, I, I, I gave you a nickname that was important. You want to? Dirt. Yeah, that was your nickname. <laughs> 
I was always speaking health and life into your soul, so... <laughs> Beating me up at Be- church? That's, well, yeah. Yeah, I was always knocking you around. Yeah. So I don't do that much anymore. No. <laughs> You're a blessing now. You're okay. Good. <laughs> All right, so listen, I, I know your parents. They're good people. I, and I, we, were, we were in church together. That's how I met them. And I've met some of your grandparents. And, you know, you, there was a great family. Mm-hmm. Lovely people. But so, same question as far as Robert. When you, when you look back at different voices, influences in your life spiritually, um, you know, what are the voices and who are the people that stick out in, in, in your story and coming to God through Jesus? A lot of it was, uh, I think, my mom. But it was more or less she kind of just put me in the places that I needed to be to hear those voices. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and he didn't, he didn't tell me to do this, but actually a lot of it was you. Yeah. Uh, just being around you for so long and... You kind of became like a second father to me and just uh, shared a lot of things with me. Um, but, yeah, just growing up, uh, I grew up in church, and um, I always kind of heard things from different people, and uh, I would look up to people at a young age and be like, oh, man, this guy, this guy. But then later, kind of like as I got older, I would see things kind of tweak in their personality and who they were, and it would kind of like, shift my thinking and um then I'd, I'd switch to someone else and go oh man this is the guy this is the guy i gotta be listening to and then and then again something would happen and you're kind of after a while i just started realizing okay everyone seems to keep having these flaws after a while and then it wasn't this like oh i'm so holy but it was just kind of like realizing that a lot of it was just going to come from my own experiences and learning that from myself um, you didn't have a, let's say, a smooth, like many of us, a smooth transition from your maybe high school, let's say, faith, connection to God, to adulthood. Is that fair to say? I mean, there, there wasn't a smooth transition from that high school belief way of thinking to young adulthood. There was, I mean, there was... A, no. <laughs> no. Okay. No. So there, there were some moments. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So not going through the, all the moments, but was, what, what was the moment or was it a series of moments that began to be a shift for you in maybe recapturing or defining for yourself what you're going to believe? It's just, it's, it's a constant series of moments. Um, there's one month where I just feel like, oh man, I'm on fire. Man, me and God were like, <laughs> and then the right. next, the next week I'm like, God, did I even know him? Mm-hmm. You know, and so uh, as far as there being one specific moment, um, <laughs> it was one couple weeks ago. I mean, it's just, it kind of happens all the time, and it's always just this, I'm, well, I can't see him right now, but I, I have, like, tattoos, and I want to get, like, a good and evil sleeve, mm-hmm. just because even from a very young age, I realized uh, there's this constant battle that's going on inside, and just, it's, and it's literally a daily battle, like where it's kind of like, boom, temptation. And then you just got to look at it, and you're either going to like fall into it or go, no, that's not what I want to become. I want to be more like this guy and more like this guy. And a lot of it, too, is just uh, figuring out, like, for me, it's been a lot of looking up to men that I respect and realizing what it takes to get to to be like that. So uh, as far as a moment, um, no, it's kind of just constantly changing and evolving and series of moments just always changing. Okay, now you're curious, you mentioned that um, different voices, men in your life, people you respected, and then maybe how in the past when you were younger that was maybe unrealistic. Mm-hmm. 
So do you find yourself recognizing that uh, the journey of faith, walking with God, includes up and down moments? Mm, absolutely. And so are you more, is it forgiving or tolerant of, of other people's brokenness and weakness, or you recognize that we're all on that journey together? There was a time <clears throat> where it was more like, when I re made this realization of everyone has flaws, um, it kind of became... It, it led to a point in my life where I was very like, oh, man, that guy's messed up. He's not like me, you know. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and just totally, uh, real, really stupid. That was probably like the worst part of my life. But, um, yeah, it became this very, um, that guy's messed up and I'm not. But then over time, I saw what that stupid, 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 really stupid judging and... Uh, criticizing did and right. how damaging it can be and then it became again everything just evolves and molds and just kind of is becoming different all the time and it became more of like no we're all flawed and uh the second i start thinking i'm not i mean it's just kind of downhill with that thought process so uh <clears throat> seen you play at the knitting factory and some other places i know you've done some local clubs around here as well uh so tell us briefly about music and then i'll ask you about your verse as well like what it means to me? Yeah, yeah. I know you're in this mellow, soft, soft rock band here. Smooth <laughs> jazz, as it were. <laughs> I play sax. <laughs> it's kind of been like, I'm kind of like you in the, the aspect that music and film, but more so music. Um, music just, it's like Robert put it perfectly, it just, it changes you inside. Uh, certain people, I've noticed certain people, you talk to them about music and it's just like, you're talking to a wall. But for a lot of people, there's just all of a sudden you play this one song for them and it'll speak nothing to one person. Mm -hmm. But for that person, it can, it'll totally bring them to tears. I had a friend, we just saw a friend's band play uh, The Orange Effect, a uh, good friend of ours. And they had this song that they play called uh, Sing It Out. And I didn't, I didn't even notice it. I've seen them play it like three or four times live. Uh -huh. But I finally bought their EP and I put it in my car. Yeah. And uh, I was like, all stoked and I was like having a good day and then I started driving and it's not that this ruined my day but I started driving and this song came on and like it was simple it was like a C chord and you just kind of did a little fluttering of a string but it was so beautiful and just the way he sang it and then all of a sudden I passed by this funeral procession oh, man. and I just started crying and I was just like dude like it just it was like this song was meant to play at that time and it, uh, just music can do so many things. I love it. I, don't I like I like trying to get that for people too. It's just a lot of fun trying to create that. Tell us about your verse, um, John fifteen seven. The words abiding in you, being dialed in that way. What what does that mean to you? Because again, we, we <clears throat> when we were talking about this moment, you were. I just asked you simply to kind of pick a verse. You go, man. There's so many that spoke to me, and then you landed on this one. So why did you land on this verse? Well, this verse was introduced to me actually by John. He kind of brought it up to me. Uh, he, he, he thought it was really cool, and then it was kind of one of those, like, shined a light on it for me. Like, yeah, that is really cool. And it was just, um, it just made sense. Uh, just a lot of it is because, like, I would go through a lot of stuff where I was kind of like, um, especially growing up in church, I've always had God in my life, but it's just kind of been in and up and down and in and out and the, but uh, with um, this, it was kind of like, how was I going to say this? I'll try English. I'll try English. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
Um, Makes it easier for the rest of us. Yeah. Uh, it, it was kind of just this thing where uh, God, you're always wondering, like, oh, why am I down? Why am I down right now? Why am I not feeling good? Come on, Lord. I'm, you know, I go to church on Sundays, and I pray, and I read my Bible. Why am I not feeling good? And uh, this verse meant a lot to me because he was, it, it just was said to me, like, look, there's going to be ups and downs, but the more you become part of me, the more that you just understand me, the more that you get my love and my care and just passion for you, uh, things will be good. Like, things will be better. You'll, it, it, he puts it almost in the sense that, like, ask what you want and you'll get it. And it's, it's almost selfish, but at the same time, like, the way it spoke to me was that once you're in his word and once, you get, once you're connected with God like that, your desires aren't going to be real selfish. Uh, they're going to become kind of more like his. Like his, yeah. Like a lot of times lately, and I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm so holy, but it's just like you see people. and I didn't know holy people do that. That's <laughs> so, so all we do. We just float around. Holy. Yeah, okay. Make statues of ourselves. Um, I've just seen like uh, friends just in family. Uh, once you see them do one thing that you're trying to like – because we all do stupid things, but once you see like them do one thing that you're maybe just more aware of because you've been trying to avoid it yourself, and you see it hurt them, you're like, all of a sudden, like you just click and start praying and like, Lord, like bless them, like uh, get them out of that thought process and get them out of. So it's 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 like I said, like once you become more involved with Him, He's more y- your desires become a little bit more like his. So you're just more aware of him on a daily basis instead of having a maybe a, just a moment of time of prayer. It, there's an ongoing conversation that sometimes you're unconscious of it and other times you're very conscious of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Hey, let's give Chris a round of applause. <laughs> this, um, this next guy you've seen once or twice, um, give it up for Buddy as he comes up back up here. How long have we known each other? Too long. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, but uh, seriously, how long? Uh, how old were you? 18? 17? Yeah, I think I like briefly met you when I was like 12, but I didn't. So I three like, years now. Weird, but yeah. Um, <laughs> this guy's weird. Oh, but I met your father. Actually, two years. Yes. I met your father years earlier. And he didn't like you. No, not in one bit. <laughs> and it was mutual, and uh, so that's it. <laughs> We get along great now, though. Yes. But, but we bumped heads. And I, was, I, for one, was surprised that someone didn't like me. But, you know, that's just me. You need to appreciate the beauty of the gift of my friendship. Okay, so I know a bit of your story. Um, you were part of a church I went to, and then you were part of the church that I first started, and now you're part of this. So um, you think about different voices and people in your life. Uh, I met your grandparents. I, some of your folks and family. So who are the spiritual ancestors in your, in your life? Um, well, definitely, I was raised a Christian, but um, so, I, you know, I didn't really have, like, a, my own connection, you know, kind of thing. But I would definitely say the people, definitely my grandparents, they've always been just very, um, and they were, they were not Christians until, like, in their late 20s, they'd gotten married and stuff. So they <clears throat> weren't raised Christian. They just became Christians. And so they've always been very, uh, just any problem I ever had or a question or anything, they um, just always point me to, 
God or give me some kind of you know, verse or something that helped them get through it, and they've always been a good influence. Um, but still, I was young, and so it was just like, oh, Grandma and Grandpa said it, so that's cool. Um, but then it wasn't until probably high school and then even after high school through um, just multiple friendships, um, definitely through listening to you and um, through um, my good friend Alex, who plays the djembe up here. Um, I went to high school with her, and um, there was a few times in my life where I just stopped going to church altogether and said, forget this, I, I don't get it, I'm done. And, uh, you know, I lost a lot of Christian friends at that time. And, um, you know, and one of them I thought I'd lost uh, my good friend Alex. And then uh, I remember when I decided that I needed to come back and I was making a mistake, um, she was the first one there, like, with her arms open and just like, hey, come back, you know, and so I would definitely say, and then a few people in this community that I've met since coming here have just, they've showed me how to understand the Bible better, and because um, I would just fall asleep reading it, and now I can actually read it, and yeah. It's funny, because people fall asleep when I'm speaking about it here. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, knowing who you are now, the man you are, uh, your lovely wife, and your music, and what you're doing, and, and, and I, I, you know, I, I've met you in and out of your life in the past, you know. Mistakes were made. Uh, you know, um, was there a turning point? Was there a series of moments? Is there something that just finally clicked for you and you realized I needed to make this my own? Or was it a, like uh, the other two guys have said, there was kind of a series of things as well? Um, yeah, d- definitely a series of things. But I think it was at one point I was just living, I lived with a lot of, um, I actually lived in a one-bedroom apartment with seven people at one point. Um, and, uh, yeah. Are, are you Hispanic? Uh, I was trying to be. Um, I thought you were in the country. I was trying legally. to be like you. Yeah, you were trying um, to be like me. That's right. No, uh, yeah, anyway, so I was in that uh, place, and I don't think any of them were um, believers. And, um, you know, I was just hanging out with them. And, and not that they were bad people, but they just, um, I could see in their lives and in um, decisions they were making, there was not a direction, there was a lack of. Um, in my opinion, just hope, and like I just felt like I was going in that same direction, and I was like, man, I got to get out of this. I'm like, you know, everything I cared about is being taken away mm. as I'm walking away from God, mm. and um, and then I noticed that one time I just called Alex actually just to play um, some songs I'd been writing, and uh, <clears throat> you know, I didn't ask to come back to church or anything. I was just like, hey, come play with me, and she was like okay, if your songs don't suck, I will. And, um, well, that was a voice of hope and encouragement. Yes, yeah. it was. Um, but yeah, it was through playing with her and stuff and just seeing like, um, you know, as soon as I started making little conscious decisions to come back to Christ, um, it wasn't like he held things back. Like, oh, remember when you turned away from me? He, he gave it all back immediately. Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, you know, I moved in with my dad for a while to get my finances straight and from there on coming back to church I met wonderful Edie playing the cello and uh you know I never thought I'd be with somebody so sweet and lovely and you know and so aww (laughs) (laughs) do do you guys know how you proposed to her? uh uh, yeah (laughs) give give us give us the readers I just it's on yeah is it on YouTube? yeah it's on YouTube now I guess um but yeah I uh, we play at we play shows together, and it's more of a hard, heavy metal rock <laughs> style music. Um, just, yeah. yeah I right. wear a wig and just, yeah. yeah. Anyway, 
but anyway, so we had a gig at uh, the Irvine Spectrum, actually, in the outdoor mall. And, in public. Uh, yeah, it was kind right. of a big yeah. deal, and we were trying to, like, make a big thing out of this. And I had asked her dad ahead of time, and he decided not to kill me. And um, so I was like, hey, I can go through with this. And so I wanted it to be a song, and I, um, just because that's what we've all, that's how we all came to be friends. And um, music just is a part of our lives, and I wanted it to be a part of me asking her to join me in this journey of life together, and uh, I couldn't come up with anything good. It all sounded cheesy and stupid, and then one day at work, I'd take my guitar to work with me sometimes, and I'd play around in the warehouse, and uh, honestly, it was the fastest song I've ever written. It took me like 45 minutes, and I just like, this lick came out, and then the lyrics, and I wrote it all down, and I was like, if I can play this for this guy named Carlos at work, huge Hispanic guy, tattoos, I was like, if he likes this song, this is the one, because I could play it in front of er anyone, <laughs> and I played it. So you were asking Carlos to marry you. <laughs> Pretty much. It's, it's good that you weren't in prison, but go ahead. <laughs> and uh, anyway, yeah, so I played it for him, and uh, he, like, he was like, dude, I got goosebumps. And he was like, and if she says no, I'll marry you. And so I was like, so oh. you were in prison. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like it. Yeah, and so anyway, and then, then that night, um, we took a break, or a break that I played out, and then I said, hey, something's wrong with my guitar. Can you, Edie, will you stand in front of the speaker and tell me if it's coming through? And she sat there, and I made an announcement to everyone, and I just started singing this song, and luckily she said yes. Yeah. Otherwise, that would have been a waste of time. Hey, um, uh... <laughs> You know, I love the fact that you said that was the fastest song you ever wrote, and, and the thought that came to my mind is that, that that was your heart moving at the speed of love. But honestly, that, that, that's, I think that kind of describes how quickly things can move when, when, when the heart's dialed in that way. Uh, so listen, let's give Buddy a round of applause. Well, listen, let me, uh, uh, just a few more minutes and we're going to close it off this morning. Uh, John 3, verses 7 through 9. There was a, uh, an established uh, religious leader, training, background, a heritage of caring for the people of Israel. And most likely he probably was in his 40s, 50s, you know, would have had the long beard and um, certain gowns and a turban and he would be distinguished not only in how he carried himself but how he dressed that he was a spokesperson or a shepherd, a pastor for the people of Israel. Jesus on the other hand would have been um, indistinguishable from many other Jewish men of his time and of his age. He probably would have been, I don't know, 5'5", five, five? Um, tanned, beard, ringlets as an Orthodox Jew would have had, um, Muscular, taut, probably, from having spent years working with his body as a builder and a carpenter. And even the scriptures say there was really nothing that significant about how he looked. I think Isaiah said there was really no beauty that, 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 that would catch your eye. Yet, when he spoke, without the training that these men had, there was something unique about his insight into the scriptures that drew Nicodemus that night to go see Jesus and ask him a question. You know, who are you and what are you bringing? And as Jesus was speaking that night, to him, he said, hey, man, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. And the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with the spirit, everyone born of the spirit. And how can this be? Nicodemus asked. 
Um, speaking earlier to Matt this morning, uh, you know, this knows Greek, you know, and all that. Uh, I was looking at his Bible. It's in Greek. I said, hey, bro, this, this word here said it, it's plural, and it's interesting to me because he, he's not just speaking to Nicodemus that night. And most likely he was speaking to the entire group. You know, when he said you, he was speaking to the group. Uh, but at another level, he's obviously still speaking to humanity. His words are echoing through the centuries. You must be born again. And that's a phrase, I think, and such a word that's been overused and used or... Um, I was watching uh, an old X-Files on Netflix. And, you know, there's always that crazy preacher on TV. They're never normal or cool. They're just insane. And they're Southern, for some reason, I notice most of the time. Hey, (laughs) I'm just saying. Um, And and so, you're born again, you know, that phrase. And I think, oh, it just sounds so horrible. And yet, it's not a phrase that's contemporary. It's a phrase from the Middle East. It's a phrase from the first century Middle East. It's a phrase from Jesus himself. There's something that has to happen. There's something different about people who claim to be followers of Jesus. Or I take it back. There ought to be something different about people who claim to be followers of Jesus. And um, as you walk in or maybe as you leave today, you might have noticed all the different banners we have out there. And it, it's not just to fill the space up or to have something attractive to look at. Those banners are our core values that we are defined by. And one of the first ones as you're on your way out or the last ones on your way in is, the, is wind. And it's, it's from this scripture. We, we, you know, our core values are based in the scripture. We didn't just pull them out of the air. And, and the subtext for that core value is that mission is why the church exists. And to unwrap that a little bit more, it, it, when we say... You hear us use that language, the church. It's not this community or the Calvary Chapel up the street or the, you know, Victory Outreach down the hall. It's the global mystical body of Jesus Christ current and manifesting in different locations. Like, you know, the body of Jesus is everywhere. It it manifests here in Whittier at the Radisson Hotel. um, And it manifests in all these multiple places around the world. And um, I think the question still remains, you know, why do it? Um... Why get up early on Sunday mornings? Why make those commitments? Some of you on volunteer staff, you went through life in Christ, life in church. You made vows of how you were going to live, how you were going to be conducting your sexual life, your, your resources, your managing. How You know, you made these vows. Not that we're following up on you, but you made those vows. This is something that you thought, this is what the ideal, this is who I want to be. And last night as my wife and I were talking, she, was, she read this article to me uh, you know, uh, and it always starts off the same way. Can I read something to you? <sighs> yeah, take off my headphones. Uh, okay, what is it? She goes, oh, no, are you going to pay attention? I, I, I'm trying to right now, so please read the article. But it was a very powerful article about the, how uh, life comes after death. And it wasn't in, the, in, the, in a spiritual sense. It's just the reality of volcanoes. All right, here's why we do this so that we're all clear and on the same page. We do this because it is a matter of death and life. Not in the, in the sense maybe some of you are dialed in and thinking of heaven and hell. It's a matter of death and life for each of us. This is why we do it. To recover our humanity. To finally become alive in a way. To experience health. To find that the things that we used to think define us don't. You know? That we can actually be people who are healthy that are strong, and that the impact on the legacy we leave behind is other people are healthy and strong. 
When Jesus spoke that evening to Nicodemus, he not only spoke to that group and to Nicodemus, but he speaks to each one of us here sitting in this room, um, that he gave us a mission that if we would partner with him, this is the thing that's amazing to me um, when you're reading the scriptures that uh, I call you friends. Because if you were a servant, you wouldn't know what I was up to. But you do know what I'm up to. I'm up to restoring humanity. And then he gives us a pattern of how to live in, in, in the life of Jesus. And so I know that many of you have made those focused commitments to follow Christ. This is who I'm going to be. This is, this is truth. And, and others, it's, it's still in the future. It's coming. And I know that you're, 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 not, you know, you're not isolated. You're not doing this alone. Because even in your thought life, I, I know this, you are already in a conversation with God. Every time you have a moment of hope, every time you see that something could change, every time you have a moment of, of clarity, that is the voice of God. Any voice that causes your soul to thrive is him speaking to you already. It is the wind that you cannot see, but you see its effects in your life. So there's still a humanity to restore. There's still a humanity to rescue. There's a humanity which is your own to experience and I think, I guess as we, you've heard these three stories, these guys come up here and share. Um, I think really one of the closing questions before I close off this section of the gathering is, that, you know, so whose story are you living? You know, who do you want to become? Uh, all of us, whether or not we will consciously admit it, have some hero, some ideal of what it means to be a human being. You know, you're going to be a player. <laughs> you're going to be this, you know, suffering artist dude or the flirty chick or, you know, what you, all of us are living some story that we think is going to be the, this is who I am. This is the ideal of living out humanity. Right. I'm going to suggest something that the ideal of living out humanity will be found in the life of Jesus Christ. And this is what it will take, so there's no misunderstanding. It will take you surrendering your personal agenda, you know, of whatever you thought was going to be important to you, how to, how to make your life matter, and finding out, I think, Chris, you kind of nailed it, something about that the things that you think you're losing, you actually gain back in spades in a different way. And... Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to invite all of you. Let's, can we just take a moment of prayer? We don't do this often, but let me just take a moment of prayer here with you guys. And give you all an opportunity to consider um, whether or not you want to, like this morning, make a focused commitment to Christ. I'm going to pray, let's say, for you folks. And if this is something you'd like to do, I'm not going to ask you to stand or raise your hand or anything like that. You can just pray along with me. You can maybe mentally even say to God, this is what I want. I don't even know how to ask for it. And then we'd just like to give you something free as you're exiting this morning. Father, I, I thank you that you have been good and kind to all of us. And each of us have stories that we could tell of how we found our life in yours. And what I pray for those who had positive voices or negative voices, that we would hear very clearly your voice this morning and what it speaks to us and what it says to us. So I pray for folks that haven't consciously, intentionally made a focused commitment to follow your son, Jesus, 
to practice his teachings, to imitate his lifestyle, to be one of his students, disciple, a follower. I pray this morning it starts today. That even if they don't get it all or grasp it all, that they make that first step towards you and they would experience your life. I pray that you help us as a community um, live a life that's attractive, compelling, winsome, that, that, that folks would, would want to know what makes us tick and that we could share the story of you with them. We love you. You're, you're kind beyond words. Um, and you give gifts like a God would give. And for that, we simply say thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.